Welcome to 12 Days of Pondering AI. In this capsule series, guests rejoin us to share their insights and intuitions about different aspects of the ever-evolving world of AI. To kick things off, Marisa Shop reflects on human and AI interaction. Well, welcome back, Marisa. It's great to see you. Good to see you too. I think it'd be fair to say this year has provided a bonanza of opportunities to research a human-computer interaction. What has been the most consequential takeaway or finding for you this past year? Oh, that is an enormous question, actually, because as you said, (laughs) so many things have happened from people falling in love, people breaking up, people committing suicide based on chatbot conversations. So I think this year has kind of been somewhat crazy, but also from a very opportunistic perspective, of course, as a researcher, this brings in all the opportunities for, you know, trying to better understand how people interact, like how do they perceive machines that talk back to us almost like real humans and uh, we are unable to to actually understand what is real and what is not, what is human, what is machine. And um, yeah, these are exciting times for us. And have you been surprised or were your intuitions correct relative to our ability to discern the difference between human and machine and or our ability to project and believe a machine may have human intuitions, human feelings, human empathy, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I think it's it's a mix and it's really hard to kind of generalize. So mm-hmm. from the research we've done, it's I, although I kind of not want to judge, but it's kind of good to see that people do not relate too much to their, for instance, digital assistants as friends, which comes with some, you know, ethical consequences that need a lot of discussion. On the other hand, when you read the news, like what do they pick up? They pick up the people that, you know, fall in love with chatbots have uh, sexual intercourse with their avatars, break up and get even more whatsoever. So it's always a little bit hard to check back with reality or to figure out where we're at. But I think what surprised me was, for instance, when we did our research on human AI relationship perception, we found that one very uh, prominent perception was the one where we perceived the, the digital systems more as equal. Not as a friend, but also not as a servant. And this well, this kind of came as a surprise. But more interestingly, if you see the current developments, for instance, the classic example now is the Microsoft Copilot. So Microsoft has changed their digital assistant, which is now ME-fused and so on, and super smart and super great, from the digital assistant of Cortana, rest in peace, uh, <laughs> to the co-pilot, obviously, which is more on a more equal level, somebody that helps me, assists me, but it's not so much as a servant anymore. It's really somebody who's, yeah, as co-pilot would say. And I think this resembles very much um, what we found and the relevance of, you know, or the idea of how these perceptions may change in the future. Now, marketing and perceptions are, of course, two different um, spheres, but I think it shows a bit of a direction of where things are going. Well, 
even in what you just said, there's something interesting or telling in that you said this is someone that can assist me and not necessarily something that can assist me. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, it's always hard. I mean, how often do I say people love her instead of Alexa? And I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> you get so used to it easily. And I mean, that's, you know, it's always the question. Do you do that subconsciously or do you really think it's a her? Or do you just do that because you're super lazy to say Alexa or the AI system all the time? Um, but uh, I try to always say her <laughs> in big quotation marks, at least when I talk. But, you know. Humans are lazy. The brains are lazy. So these things happen. Well, and that may play into some of where we are sometimes overconfident in the results or tend to, as long as it sounds somewhat realistically human or the result is provided to us in a confident tone, we tend to believe it without as much skepticism as perhaps we should. Yeah. And I mean, why should we? Because we, we cannot differentiate anymore whether it's written by a human or whether a picture is real or unreal and this will proliferate in the future this is clear so i think um all these questions whether we can differentiate between uh, machine written or machine generated or not is uh, irrelevant because we can't so the question we should focus on is in which context should we focus on where is it important that we can differentiate yeah important point and correct me if i'm wrong i think i saw a post from you in LinkedIn, you said it, you were surprised by the sheer joy you were getting from working with some of the generative AI tools. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was invited to give a lecture in a design university or an art university. And uh, they gave me access to Midjourney and a little bit of teaching with, with one of my friends. And if you have some kind of artsy soul in you, it's really, it's, I've been astonished by the results and I've been astonished by, you know, the kind of empowerment I felt. I can, I can be an artist too. It was just amazing. It was simply amazing. And of course, also extremely awkward because of course I've been dealing or reading up a lot about where these images come from and all the actors and artists that rightfully act up and fight against um, these tools, or at least the non-consensual agreement by using their work. So that living in that paradox has been a great, funny or awkward experience as well. Was that reaction surprising to you, given the work that you do do in, in human-machine uh, interaction? No, it wasn't surprising at all. I knew that I would love to do these kinds of things. I love, I am, in the end, I love technology. I love trying out new things. I love uh, digging into the really awkward things. If I could, I would try the, the dead voices by my grandma reliving thing ah. and talk to her and see how it feels. So it wasn't surprising that I was being enthusiastic about it and... That's why I never started it from the beginning, because I knew it kind of would be wrong, so to speak. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You had some pre-knowledge about that and, and made a deliberate decision because you knew it would be enticing. So I'm not sure that that's necessarily available to the, the, the broader public until it's too late. Uh, I mean, what, what happened to me quite a few times now, I'd, I'd say in the, last, in the past seven years, so I remain to be strong, you know, saying, okay, I'm not going to use this app. I'm not going to use that app. I'm not going to use this Lenza whatsoever. I don't know. And then there comes a point where something happens and I am weak in the flesh. 
and I and I use it. Or it's some opportunity. I mean, I cannot teach in a course and talk about mm-hmm. mid-journey and I've never used it before. That's just not working out for me because I think uh, you kind of have to practice what you preach, so to speak, at least have an idea of what you're talking about. But, you know, I, there's, I have a really weird example. Uh, so do you, have you seen the Barbie movie? I have not yet. No, okay. Well, no problem. But you know the Barbie movie. Yes. So there was that ridiculous app where you could Barbie yourself. So you put your picture in there and then you come out as a Barbie. And, you know, and I don't know what it was. It was a Tuesday night. I was bored. I was at home. I didn't know what to do. And I would have never done that, you know, because, you know, I just don't. I have my values. But what did I do? I barbied myself. I loved it. I loved looking at myself as a Barbie and I laughed. I even used it for a presentation. So uh, these things uh, continue to happen to me within the past uh, years. And I think it's also, you know, we're all humans, right? Um, It's part of being human, but, you know, it's uh, something I, I, I find. There are other forces that drive your behavior than, you know, the constant, deliberate thinking about, do I want to use this system or not? Okay, where are my values? Is that a good system? Do I trust that system? And so on. Yes, well, if, if nothing else, that in and of itself is a very insightful finding for us to ponder a bit. So all of that being said, what do you think is on the horizon? And I'm going to fall prey to the same thing I just called you up for, for human AI relations, I say tongue-in-cheek, in 2024? That's, I, I, I do think, I kind of think, I want to say that I'm not sure if there's any other way in the future to see human AI interaction differently or other than being in a somewhat entangled relationship. All other proxies or all other you know, things we looked at are just not enough to describe how deeply entangled our life, our perception, our emotions and thinking is with the use or the infusion or the collaboration of technology. So with the expected, much expected uh, increase in agency, uh, performance, uh, emotional simulation of emotions and words and language and all these kinds of things. I do think that this is the only way to go forward because it gives us the opportunity to to look at it from more levels, from different levels. And this, again, gives us the opportunity to make more differentiated decisions, hopefully. And, and so if you had your druthers What do you think should be our areas of focus? I think we're still in a stage where we have to truly explore and confirm where we're at. So um, there's, you know, we're not having tons of research readily available. And also the problem is that technology is evolving so quickly and readily and and so so in, in such a pace that the findings from last year are already so old because the language systems have developed so um, immensely and the marketing or products go off market and so on. So uh, I'm not sure that doesn't really answer your question, but I'm trying. what I'm trying to say is it's kind of a constant thing. And as relationship with humans evolve constantly, these relationships with our AI systems will evolve constantly. So it's absolutely thinkable that, you know, in, in two years from now, either the co-pilot is dead or uh, the co-pilot is everywhere, or the co-pilot has evolved to my friend next door, 
where it's back to the servant mode. It's somewhat, it's, it's a little bit unpredictable, but we do have schemes. And I believe that we can use these schemes to, to explain this behavior and make better predictions about the future. Well, I'm going to hope that that prediction about our ability to make better predictions and therefore react to these systems in a rapid and appropriate fashion comes true. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for the invitation. 12 Days of Pondering AI continues tomorrow. Subscribe now for more insights into what's happening now and what to expect next in the ever-fascinating world of AI. 